Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey there. Welcome to the Bustle Huddle, our new podcast. I'm Caitlin Aber, your host and senior features editor at Bustle. Every week on the Bustle Huddle, we'll give you an inside peek at what's going on at Bustle, the stories we're working on, and what our editors and writers think about relationships, Instagram stars, even figure skating costumes. And we'll be talking a lot about what the future looks like for young women. You'll hear from everyone from a tattoo artist dedicated to changing her industry to a 26-year-old witch discovering her family history. So let's dive in. We're kicking off our first episode by talking about the year ahead and all the things to look forward to. Plus, we've got some great guests. Two organizers from the National Women's March, Anna Gosteyer of SNL fame, and Bustle's own astrologer, Mecca Woods. We wanted to do this episode because, well, I don't think I need to remind you how awful last year was. But you know what? I'm going to anyway. Already the water's turning here out in the ocean. Mueller's investigation is heating up back home in a court filing that provides legal status to remove funding from federal funding, at least from Planned Parenthood. Sexual harassment allegations against Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein's behavior in the workplace by Matt Lauer. And Senator Al Franken says the rumors are true. Yeah, that was really hard. But I have some good news. We've been doing some research, and according to a recent Bustle survey, the majority of millennial women think the world will be a better place for women 10 years from now. I know, something to look forward to. I'm hopeful that we can just get it together this year. I think that there's a real momentum. I'm excited to see people carry that into the next year because I don't think that that fire is lost at all. The only place to go is up. We've learned that A, we can get through this, and B, like, we kind of have a better groundwork of, you know, what we should be doing next year to make things better. Like, there were so many badass women. Like, there's an empowerment that's happening in the world. All this energy is so important because, after all, there's a huge midterm election this year. It could have the power to totally change our futures. Plus there's a lot of fun things to look forward to as well. Fantastic Beasts 2 coming out. I'm so excited for young Dumbledore, who's kind of hot. I'm profoundly excited about Black Panther and Infinity War because I am Marvel trash. Oh, and A Wrinkle in Time. I love the Olympics, but I'm more excited for the Bachelor Winter Games. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars Season 3. And I have not turned my TV on in over three weeks, and I will probably not until that moment. Supposedly Cruel Winter was coming. But that didn't come out this year, so I'm hoping maybe Kanye's big thing will come out next year. I mean, that could turn an entire year around alone. So last year kicked off in a big way with the National Women's March on January 21st. In Washington and cities all over the country, people gathered to stand up for equal rights and protest the election of Donald Trump. In many ways, the Women's March set the tone for 2017. It was a spark that inspired activism throughout the year. That's why activists and artists Sarah Sophie Flicker and Paola Mendoza co-authored their new book, 
Together We Rise, the official oral history of the Women's March by the organizers. They're our first guests on the Bustle Huddle, and we are so psyched to welcome them to the studio. Hi, Paula and Sarah Sophie. Hello. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's in the book, um, what readers can expect, and why you decided to put it together. The book is a compilation of over 250 photographs of never-before-seen pictures behind the scenes, and then it also includes the oral history of over 30 organizers of the Women's March, talking about how we made the Women's March happen, and some of the actions and, and the movement building that we did after the march. I am the mom of a 10-year-old daughter, and in the process of making this book, looking at her history assignments, I was like, yo, that's all, it's all white men. I mean, we knew it, but then when you see it in real time with what your kids learn, and so in the spirit of finding space for women's voices in history, really it ended up being a real, almost real-time guide in how, you know, we intersectionally organize. I wanted to know, what have you learned that you're applying towards your organizing now? What are the things that you think will help anybody else who's trying to make a difference through activism today um, do a better job or make a real impact? I think the larger lessons as a country for us that were really important, and I think we've been successful at it this year, is intersectionality. People really understanding the fact that immigrants' rights are actually women's rights for the simple fact that the majority of undocumented immigrants in this country are women and children. And thus, if you are fighting for immigrants' rights, you are fighting for for the very real necessity and cause for women with their children to remain in this country and to be able to work and to be able to have health care and to be able to not be afraid that their families are going to be deported. So there is no way that we can have a conversation around immigrant rights without understanding that that's a woman's issue and vice versa. And I think that we see that now. We see that Planned Parenthood is supporting the DREAM Act and we see that Ultraviolet is supporting uh, criminal justice reform because women are the fastest growing population that has been incarcerated in this country. And so that intersectional nature is making the movement stronger. And that's the larger lesson. On a personal note, it's the concept, the reality that an idea can literally change the world. Teresa Shook was a woman um, in her 60s, I believe, who had the idea to post a, a a message on Facebook and say, I want to march on Washington on January 21st. Who's with me? And because of that one idea, Thousands and millions of people not only marched on Washington, but around the United States and around the world. If she wouldn't have posted that idea, would we be where we are today? Who knows? So I think it's extraordinarily important in these times that we're living in that we not be afraid of our imagination, that we not be afraid of our creativity, that we not be afraid of our voice. Women are getting to a point that we are no longer afraid of our voice, and that is exciting. Yeah, let's talk about 2017 in retrospect a little bit and the... I mean, just every story, you know, everything from the Women's March to the Weinstein News, Me Too, to the election really centered women and minority voices in a way that I think we thought maybe wasn't possible after the 2016 election. What was the most surprising thing that happened for you in 2017? If anyone had told us that two months after the election, we would all be together in the streets singing, dancing, chanting in a place of joy and unity, I think we all would have thought they were nuts. We may have lost the first woman in the White House. We may have momentarily lost our country, but there is a whole 
army or, you know, a cabal of women leadership. You see it in everything from Emily's List having 22,000 women showing interest in running um, for office. You see it in the staggering numbers of women who are calling their representatives. I mean, the, the resistance is being led by women 100 percent. Paula will text me or I'll text her. One of us will text the other, I have an idea. And I'm always like, uh-oh. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. So that's where we all text each other now. A perfect example is we were at a dinner party. We were talking a whole bunch of women that didn't know each other. And we realized that Ivanka Trump followed this one woman at the table. And we were like, what? On Instagram. And we were like, what? So we, she was like, yeah, she follows me. I don't know why she follows me. Like, I'm totally against all of her politics. So we went and we looked on Ivanka Trump's Instagram page to see who else she followed. And she followed all the people that you wouldn't imagine she would be following. Like, uh, it was, I don't even remember. It, uh, we had, she was following Olivia Wilde. She was following America Ferreira. Left-leaning progressives that she was following. So we came up with this idea at the dinner table. And it was to start a Twitter campaign, an Instagram campaign on Thanksgiving um, with a message saying, Dear Ivanka, I see that you follow me. Well, I think that on this Thanksgiving, it's very important that you protect the dreamers. And then a week later, Sarah Sophie and Alyssa, uh, Alyssa Klein, who's our social media director, led the charge and had so many people posting about this on Instagram. It went viral. It was seen at Everyone wrote a story about it because Ivanka Trump was being not necessarily called out, but called in to say, hey, Ivanka, this is the wrong thing that's happening and you have the power to do something. She probably doesn't have the power to do anything, but it doesn't matter because it generated a ton of interest and re-upped, you know, the story of this very critical and urgent need for us to pass a DREAM Act. Mm -hmm. But some of these things have been really fun. You know, you just you're like, what is the wildest, most unimaginable thing that I could put out there in the world and let's do it. And like the number one lesson I hope we're all getting out of this year is that our liberation is bound in each other's. And as far along as we thought feminism and intersectional feminism was like, you know, we can tell you that when the unity principles, you know, that we put out for the Women's March were put out, we got slammed in the press. People, you know, the question was, why, why are there so many issues, you know? And, and the, and the truth is that you know, historically, feminism has not been inclusive. And if that can even be like a reimagination of all of our feminism, then, you know, then we've succeeded. Absolutely. So one thing everybody was drawn to about the Women's March, and I remember all of the posts and pictures and Instagrams, was the creativity of like the signs and the art around it and just how striking everything was. And I know both of you are artists, and I'd love to hear more about how you think art has influenced this movement. So we had a very strong movement uh, the 10 weeks leading up to the Women's March. And what Sarah Sophie and I realized, and others in the Women's March as well, was that we needed to organize artists, that um, we needed to have art uh, influencing the movement because it's when you organize artists and when you have art that's being created, inspired by the values and the the unity principles of the Women's March. When that happened, we were able to to have our progressive values become mainstream American culture, which is phenomenal. Like we were talking about criminal justice reform and environmental justice and reproductive justice and immigration rights every single day. And that was happening because we were making visual art, because we were making songs, because we were we were writing stories, um, because people were talking about it in artistic ways. So for me, artists are the heartbeat of the resistance. 
uh, because we also have the ability to to talk about all of those things in a way that taps into the human heart. One of our main tenets of this last year has been that joy is an act of resistance. You know, for example, we started these resistance revival chorus. because we knew that women coming together and singing would heal us and heal other people. And it has truly been, you know, something that has sustained me. One thing that is very apparent in this conversation is that the optimism has to be there. Like, we have to believe that the future will be better. And I know both of you are mothers. As mothers, how do you envision things being better for your children, and what do you hope for them in the future? My son is four years old, um, soon to be five in March. Um, And I think a lot around uh, how this time will influence him as he grows up. Trump will be in office until 2020, until there's another election. And so that's a majority of my son's childhood under a man that is misogynist and racist and a white supremacist. And so I constantly am asking myself, how do I, how do I not allow my son to be influenced by this? And for me, it comes down to something very simple, but it's very difficult. The concept of compassion and kindness. I want my son to be a compassionate and kind man. And as a feminist, that is the most important thing. The chorus rehearses at both of our houses. And so we sing this song, uh, Woke Up This Morning. I woke up this morning with my mind. And part of the the chorus of the song is hallelujah. So every night I sing to Mateo this song about freedom. I woke up this morning with with my mind set on freedom every night. Um, And he calls it the hallelujah song. So he says, Mama, hallelujah. And I can't sing otherwise. I would sing right now, but I'm not singing. With all the optimism that you bring, What are your predictions for the upcoming year ahead? 2017 closed out with a Me Too movement online that blew open um, what every woman in this country has known since they were young girls around the the sexuality and the fear and just the... Power imbalances. Exactly, power imbalances that have existed. And so... My prediction for 2018 is that Donald Trump is removed from office, not necessarily because of Russia, but because he is they're investigating um, his sexual scandals and his sexual assault claims of 19 women now, and that's what gets him out of office. Damn it! That's my prediction for 2018. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's up I mean, to us. Would anything be more delicious? No. <laughs> I mean, I do feel like it's going to somehow be connected to his finances, too, I'm just going to say. I can't predict anything. I just know that women will be leading, you know, whatever. It will be women. It will be non-binary people. It will be um, this community that has forged and uh, as painful and exhausting and like heartbreaking as this year has been, it's also been um, invigorating and amazing community has mm-hmm. has formed. And I think, you know, anyone who's been part of the resistance would, would say that. And uh, it just gives me a lot of hope for this next year. So the Merriam-Webster word of the year mm-hmm. is feminism for Woo-hoo! 2017. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think the word will be for 2018? Progressive. Um, impeachment and progressive. (laughs) As you write your life story, you're far from finished. 
Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Thanks again to Sarah Sophie Flicker and Paola Mendoza, national organizers for the Women's March. First of all, I'm so excited for the royal wedding. Having better dental hygiene. I went for my first cleaning in three years in 2017, and I realized that I need to be better. Donald Glover is nominated for a bunch of Grammys, which means that I'm pretty sure he's going to eat out soon. And that is my number one priority in life. Next up, we have Anna Gasteyer, veteran comedian famous for her time on SNL in the 90s, arguably the best season, when she played everyone from Hillary Clinton to Celine Dion. I am Celine Dion, and I am the best singer in the world! Now you'll find her on Netflix's Lady Dynamite, playing the hilariously flawed Agent Karen Grisham. Anna swung by Bustle and sat down with our producer, Anna Parsons, to talk about the year ahead. Are you going to ask me to do an impression? Because I'm not going to do it. It's so awkward. Like, if you don't have time to write it and get in the zone. And I feel like stand-ups are really good at it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not. Do you feel like comedy is the kind of thing that you're just born with or a skill that you can learn? Do you just find your tribe and know yeah. that you're meant to be in comedy? I hate to say that, but yeah. I mean, for me. But I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm kind of a lazy Gryffindor of a human being. Like, I just, as my husband calls me. Like <laughs> Everyone I to, at Bustle will appreciate yeah, that. I do kind of just fall into what works for me. I think you can become a better comic. I think studying, certainly, even writing, when I first discovered Twitter, like writing jokes, it, it, it's, it's a skill. You get better at it. So you played Hillary at a much different time in her life. I did. I did. And that is a interesting thing um, because there's, talk about, like, the show, It's I always say, like, when people go, oh, you know, why did you impersonate who you did? You, you do it because they're in the media, and that's the job of the show is to parody. But Hillary... Hillary, when I was on the show, you know, again, like she's evolved. She's just evolved exactly how she's been portrayed on the show. She was the first lady, a much beleaguered first lady, which was not a particularly funny, you know, person to make fun of. But, you know, somebody smarter than me, they basically tra tracked all of her Time magazine covers. And she's been on the cover many, 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 many times. It's a little piece of feminism in America, sort of our attitudes towards women. And most of them were sort of negatively constructed until very recently when, you know, her her Time magazine covers were positive. What do you think it's like to be on SNL in 2017, though, with this crazy administration? It's hard because it hasn't been a very funny year, you know, and and as we all know, it's beating a dead horse to say this, but the, the parody sort of, ex he, he he tweets on Monday and it's a parody of himself. You know, it's yeah, not exactly. it's not an easy thing to parody. I mean, the whole conversation of like re the reality star gone rogue is a really un unsettling conversation. So, you, you know, I think that they do rightfully grab on to the moments that are like Melissa McCarthy and, and Spicer that are have like higher uh, edges and also lower 
stakes. You know, it's easier to make fun of a press secretary than it is to make fun of, you know, oh, say the nuclear codes. So I hate to steer it in this direction, but it's got to go here, unfortunately. The post-Weinstein world and especially like people coming out against Louis, the whole Me Too campaign. Do you feel like women would have been comfortable to do that back in the 90s? Or do you feel like we're in a climate now that's kind of shifting? I personally think not just in comedy, not just in entertainment, but in all of these, you know, titans of industry coming down, you know, I, that we're, we're looking directly at a blowback from the election. I think where people feel powerless, to me, the conversation just always personally returns to the fact that the president is a perpetrator. I think the culture at large is reacting to the fact that we feel powerless. What are your predictions for 2018? Do you think it's going to be a better year? I don't know, but I sure hope it's happier. I mean, I do think it was a really educational year. I feel like I've learned so much about myself. People are very anti-elite right now and anti-education, and I feel like critical thinking is really important, and I'm willing to stand for that belief now. I'm more comfortable with my own relationship to my faith, which is not... Uh, I am not a religious person. I don't believe in a big God out there. I do believe in humanism. So I feel like those things I'm more comfortable saying than I was a year ago, even though they're hard things to say. I feel like we have to have conversations about how to treat our our our, our fellow man and, and woman, you know, and planet. And not to get all serious about it, but like that's my 2018 is just like, how can we do that without all this vitriol, without all of this? Hate. And I think for some of it, it's just as I rolled around to the end of 2017, like we adopted a puppy. I'm spending more time with my family. I'm spending I'm I'm take my friendships way more seriously, you know, and I work at them. I take mindfulness more seriously. I've unplugged from my phone more than I ever have in the last two or three months because it became overkill, right? And then I've also just like embraced, frankly, silly comedies like Lady Dynamite, like Will and Grace. Like I think, I mean, Lady Dynamite is a serious so comedy in some respects, mm -hmm. but it's also very, it's a release. It's a departure from reality. That's been kind of refreshing. And I think I haven't felt that way in a long time. Theater, musicals, like actual escapes have felt more meaningful to me than they have in a long, long time. Yeah, I think it's uh, the impact has been that like the quality has vastly increased. Right, because we feel so out of control and so frightened. Yeah, we need some sort of outlet. Do you have any guilty pleasures? Champagne, um, uh, <laughs> a wine in general. Um, Trader Joe's. Yeah. Trader Joe's for sure. Yeah. I mean, maybe the sea salt caramels at Trader Joe's, okay. so that's a guilty oh, yeah. pleasure. Thanks, Anna, for stopping by Bustle. Be sure to catch her on Netflix's Lady Dynamite. So, something everyone's touched on is self-care. We know how hard it can be to keep up with everything going on in the world and our personal lives. Everything's sometimes a crazy mess. But the thing is, you don't have to do it all. You can take a break, physically, mentally, emotionally. Sometimes you just gotta do you. I really want to make 2018 the year that I can focus on myself. I've been going just to like dance parties. I'm going to focus more on how can I be healthier to myself and kinder to myself. You also just want to go like lay on the couch and watch Netflix. Like you can do that too. Surround yourself with people that you care about and who make you happy. My cats make me very happy. So to close out this episode, we wanted to get some advice for 2018 with an interstellar perspective. I sat down with Bustle's resident astrologer, Mecca Woods, to hear what she has to say about the future. Hey. I'm really excited to talk to you, but also kind of nervous. 
because oh, um, you're going to help us explain what the stars have to say about yes. 2018. Which I have dubbed as the year of thinking outside of the box, just because of, you know, the, the major planetary shifts that are happening. We have two uh, planets that are going into two big signs. You know, Saturn is moving into Capricorn, Uranus is moving into Taurus. And basically all that means is that, you know, it's a time to really um, think differently and innovatively in terms of like how we approach our lives and careers and, you know, all across the board to, to make changes and, and to really break out any out of any ruts that we may be in. It's the year to embrace change. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Two of the signs that are really going to see a lot of changes this year coming is going to be, of course, Capricorn and Cancer. And that's because of Saturn moving home to Cap. I would say, you know, Cap, um, Saturn can be heavy energy, but Saturn also loves to reward you for the hard work that you put in. And I think Capricorns, um, you guys are really good at being very dedicated and very committed and, and very resilient when it comes to the, anything that's tossed your way. And I would just say that looking at Saturn is more of not so much of like, oh, no, we have to, you know, I have to do this. or this is, you know, these, these bad things are happening, but more of kind of like, where can I uh, be more empowered? You know, where can I have... Um, more of a stronger foundation in my life and, and feel more stable, more secure, more self-assured. So I would, I would look at it that way. I would say if like you're like a Gemini, a Virgo, Pisces, Sagittarius, this is more like 2018 is more of like a, a regrouping sort of <laughs> time um, just because we've been dealing with uh, Saturn being in Sagittarius for like the last two and a half years, which is like kind of kicked our butts <laughs> left and right. And just in terms of like career and family and home and relationships and things like that. But um, there's definitely going to be some some big things happening over the summer. So in 2018, which of these three things should we pay the most attention to? Money, sex or career? Money. Money is going to be a big deal. Um, for 2018, and that's because we have Saturn moving into Cap and Uranus moving into Taurus. And whenever you're dealing with Earth signs, it's always about material wealth, security, stability, all those kinds of things. So um, in terms of how we approach things, it's really going to be thinking in terms of like, how can I make more money? How can I save money? How can, you know, if I want the house, if I want this car, you know, it's really going to be thinking along the lines of money. So is there a particular month or season we should look forward to in 2018? I would say probably the summer. The summer month is going to be big in terms of 2018, just because we have a lot of uh, sort of planetary activity happening. We have a couple of eclipses happening. Um, we have Mars, which is a planet of go-getting and, and motivation is going to be in Aquarius. So a lot of what I was saying about like, you know, the changes and like, you know, kind of going for things that you really want. Like, uh, I think the summer is really going to be that time. Are you able to sort of give any indication of how we might be changing in the like political sphere? Yes. Uranus going into Taurus. Like, Taurus is a sign that has to do with like stability, especially like money, like the financial market, how we view money and the things that we value is going to start to shift. The other thing, you know, with Saturn moving to Capricorn, we're already kind of seeing like how uh, the government has shifted into a very ultra conservative place. And I think with Saturn being in cap, it's really going to push us to really think about the systems that are currently in place and what we can do to change them for the better so that everyone can benefit and not just one group of people. Yeah. Something to look forward yes. to. The other thing too about 
uh, astrology is that it also gives you something to sort of like look forward to. And in terms of like when you read up like on your chart, it also tell you the things that you're good at, the skills that you're bringing to the table, which can also give you a sense of empowerment and kind of like, you know, I can do this. I can make these things happen. Thanks, Mecca. Mecca Woods is Bustle's resident astrologer. You can find her horoscopes on Bustle and on her website, mylifecreated.com. So there you have it. I hope you feel a little more positive and ready to go out and do what you need to do for yourself and those around you in 2018. Because you know what? There are some very exciting, unexpected, and wild things to feel good about in the next 11 and a half months, including a new episode of The Bustle Huddle to look forward to every week. So please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we're getting weird. And you know what? I think this clip of my producer, Anna, pretty much says it all. Oh, my God, though, but they're so gross. They're making me gag. Ah, yes, the world of gross internet videos, especially pimple popping. We all know people who are obsessed, but why? We'll talk to Dr. Pimple Popper herself. This show was produced by Julia Shu and Anna Parsons. Special thanks to Roseanne Salvatore, Kate Robinson, and Jessica Puig for making this all possible. We want to hear what you love most about the show. You can reach us at huddle at bustle.com. I'm Caitlin Aber. We'll see you next week.